Section 34 of Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. Anecdotes of Big Cats and Other Beasts by David Alec Wilson. Section 34 Solidarity Among the Brutes. Part 1 Elephants. Our Indian newspapers recently, 1909, reproduced reports of a public meeting in London, which had been made remarkable by the presence of the veteran Mr. Silus, who had assured inquirers that the elephants do really assist each other in distress. He doubtless gave details of many modern instances, but the newspapers omitted them. So here is one. Towards the end of 1897, some herds of wild elephants spread far and wide over the harvest fields in Tongu district, Burma. They had used to do that, not every year, but at intervals, for generations, but this visitation was unusually severe. The area cultivated was greater than ever before, and the villagers had been disarmed. On former occasions the elephants had gone away as soon as the men began to shoot, or even to make a noise like shots, by putting bamboos into fires which they hastily kindled on the edges of the fields. But, on this occasion, the elephants merely paused a little to trumpet to each other, I'm not hurt, nor I, nor I. Then they resumed grazing at random, heeding the noises of humanity, the shouting and the rattling of tins and sticks in the bamboo crackers, no more than the cawing of the crows. The news seemed to spread in the elephant world that men had ceased to shoot, for as the herd that came first went farther from the hills, seeking pastures new, the farmers, who had begun to breathe freely, were horrified to see new herds appear. On the morning that the first news came to me, it was followed in a few hours by reports of fresh havoc, like those that rained upon Job. We'll need an extra officer to measure up the damage for revenue exemptions on that account was the prudent reminder of a responsible subordinate, expert in reeling off official rigmaroles. But I took an original plan, of which nothing was said, or ever would have been, if that newspaper report had not recalled to mind an incident too good to leave in oblivion. I took the first train to a station that seemed to be the center of the elephant's operations, and in less than two hours a general engagement was in progress. A long line of men, including military and other policemen, and carrying all the firearms of any kind available, advanced as fast as they could towards the elephants, whose demeanor and behavior could not have been surpassed. Whenever they discovered that the shots were now followed by bullets, they all ceased grazing, far and near, as far as the eye could reach over a spacious, level plain. They gathered into herds, and, as soon as possible, Every herd, with cows and calves on the safe side, and fighting males next to the enemy to secure the rear, was moving towards the western hills, far quicker than a man could walk. Many of them were wounded, but none were left behind. I had not myself the luck to see, but heard from many others who saw it at the time, a sight that well might be immortalized. A big, wounded tusker had raised the men's hopes. They knew the value of ivory and hastened to isolate him, but two other big elephants, of which one at least was seen to be a female, ran to him and supported him, one at each side. 
They held him up as he limped along and joined the herd in safety, and all went off together. The men were left lamenting, and admiring, too. Upon the hills, among primeval woods, the elephants that roam, intent on provender, oblivious of war, resemble the Yankees among the great powers of the world. Their superabundance of material brings water to the teeth of potentates prey. But the herds of elephants are too terrible to tackle. They graze in peace in the cool glens, and have been known, in thirsty weather, to drink alongside a tiger. Such a thing, at least, has been reported as seen, and often inferred from tracks. Think of what must have been in the heart of the tiger, as he lapped the cool water, with an empty stomach, and eyed the elephant's calves. But, whatsoever he thought, he acted right, and departed without hostilities, undoubtedly protesting, in the language of the woods, his love of peace, which was no doubt sincere under the circumstances. End of section 34, recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona.